Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And I have my old friend, Reverend Angie McCarty, back with us. You probably remember her from our Summer Lovin' series. Angie, welcome back, my love. Thank you. I'd like to say I'm not that old. <laughs> well, I will always be older than you. Just that's how it works. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been a few months since we had Angie on, but we knew with the success of the Summer Lovin' series from last year that we definitely wanted to have her back on numerous times. Uh, so today we're going to be tackling a topic that she had suggested, and then we're going to do a another summer series with her later on. So you want to unpack what you thought about today's topic being the first podcast in January, and then also tell us what you've got up your sleeve for the summer. Sure. Okay. So today we're going to tackle the idea of scheduling sex and the pros and the cons and how do you do that? And how do you talk about scheduling sex? And the reason I thought this was so important, um, it, yeah, it, it is a world that is disheveled <laughs> at best for most people. And when we're managing multiple responsibilities, sex and sexual connection with our partner is often the things that thing that gets pushed to the back burner. So what do we do with that? Um, and how can we get back into a rhythm? Um, you know, we all have the, the idea that sex is going to be spontaneous and overwhelming and every time is is just going to happen like magic and like it does in the movies uh welcome to the movies <laughs> not welcome to the real world so that's where we're going today before i get too deep into that um, i have to give credit where credit is due my daughter suggested that our summer series uh we talk about sex positive parenting and what that looks like that'll have to be kind of a lengthy series because it is so different for a six-year-old than a 16-year-old and then with a child who's gone off to college I've had two now that have gone off to college and um yeah how do you talk to your kids about sex in a positive way in each of those life stages and when she made the suggestion Addison by the way Angie's daughter is my assistant. So that, that's how we're referring to the same person. Uh, it really is the same person. Yeah. When Addison made the suggestion that we do this, I just thought, I think that that is so worth dedicating several weeks to because all of us were pretty much raised with sex negative parenting and the purity culture or little to no guidance or guilt or anxiety or shame or threats of don't shame the family or whatever. And so I think that this next generation of parents is really struggling with what do I do? What do I say? So just know we've got lots and lots of answers coming down the pike, lots of suggestions, inspiration, encouragement, but we're going to make you wait. <laughs> well, so All that since, it, since it is several months away, um, I'll tell you just last night, I was watching a show with my 14 year old show on Netflix. And one of the first couple of scenes is a mom using a vibrator. And Brendan was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to watch this anymore. And I'm like, why not? And so he kind of made it through that. And then there was another sex scene. You guys are thinking I'm watching horrible shows with my 
kids, <laughs> a young child. This was the pilot. I didn't know what I was getting myself. And this was just Sesame um, Street, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then this morning he said, I heard from one of my friends that they were watching this show with their mom and their mom turned it off within the first five minutes. And so those differences in parenting for me it led to a conversation with my child about the, the sexual scenes that we saw and kind of unpacked that a little bit and for another parent they just turned it off and I don't want to presume why but um but this is the world that we're living in right we don't always know what's going to come next on the and TV. sometimes saying nothing is worse than not saying Ooh. anything but how about if you said the right things what a concept yeah so yes, I'm teasing you with it. You are going to have to wait a few months for it, but I am hoping that it will inspire you to like bookmark this podcast and keep listening this year because I have a lot of other great guests lined up in addition to Angie, but Angie, welcome back to talk Thanks. about scheduling sex. That That is a big question to schedule or not to schedule. And I want to say that it's probably one of the most common recommendations that I'm often making to couples, but I want to hear from you. What inspired you to say, this is a topic worthy of spending an entire 30 minute podcast on. Why do you, not just as a pastor, but as a wife, why do you think that it's important for this concept to be unpacked? It prioritizes sex. And in our relationships, sexual connection is so important the intimacy that is fostered from sexual connection. And when that's missing, um, I know for me, I'll speak just for myself. I immediately go to, oh, what's wrong with our relationship? Like, is it broken? Is this the sign of impending doom? <laughs> I can catastrophize really quickly. Um, <laughs> but so scheduling is a really powerful tool that I think a lot of couples don't consider because of the expectations that we have for our relationship or the way we thought our sexual relationship would be after right. 15, 20, well, for me, five years of marriage. Um, right. Yeah. So some of it has to do with breaking down those expectations and facing the reality of your life, your world. And, and maybe I just thought that we needed to include this to give people permission to do something they might not have considered before or thought they would never be in this place in their, right. in their relationship. Well, it was interesting when Addison tossed this subject out just yesterday, what we were in the process of doing was looking at the calendar for the entire month, for the entire quarter, for the entire year, and prioritizing what we felt like were the most important tasks, the most important, you know, areas of ministry that I do, the most important relationships that we need to foster. It just stands to reason that you have to, you have to make time for what's important. You don't always find time for what's important. You have to make time. I liken the idea of relying on spontaneity every single time to be about the equivalent of expecting the cosmic tumblers to click into place and create this magical moment where the skies open up and both people are totally focused and inspired and ready and there's nothing distracting them and the kids are busy. It, like, it just doesn't work that way. We have to work at setting that stage, at reserving that energy, of creating that focus, of 
even negotiating whose turn it is to initiate. Right. You know, there's just so many factors. I think about it in terms of distance running. I used to do a lot of distance running and you can't do that without a schedule. You have to know how long you're going to run on which days. Um, Now the analogy breaks down because you really can run too much in training and get injured. I'm not sure you can have too much sex. I mean, is that another topic for another day? (laughs) Well, I can think of um, some issues (laughs) that can come up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking rawhide, you know, like... Right. Thing is too much sex, but there. I don't think that there's such a thing as too much sexual energy right. toward one another. It doesn't always yeah. have to lead to intercourse or connection, right? Right. But with that, Interest. with the running schedule, you have to maintain that for the long haul. Pace yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I completely yeah. agree. So we had talked before we hit the record button about maybe some strategies that people could develop around being intentional. And that's basically what this comes to. It's not a matter of either you're spontaneous in your lovemaking or you schedule it all out. It's, it's both. And it's not either, or it is both. And it, we're not asking you to extract the spontaneity out. We're asking you to weave the intentionality in. Mm -hmm. So what could that possibly look like for one couple or another? Of course, every couple's different, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever suggestions or metrics we throw out today are just just that suggestions. I think about a couple having a conversation about um, how often, how often ideally would they have sex? How much time, how much energy would they devote to this? And there will likely be some give and take and some compromise on that. Um, And remembering with all of these conversations, this is not set in stone law that you must abide by for the rest of your relationship. This, This is an ebb and flow that we have to keep in constant conversation about with our partners in order to be healthy. So as we talk about how much, how often is comfortable for a couple in whatever life stage they find themselves and um talking about um you know what what does that look like in practical terms i mean i remember conversations many moons ago about um well i don't think that i can ever have sex on wednesday nights because i teach a class at church until 8:30 and i'm just exhausted mm-hmm. and knowing that ahead of time released me from feeling like oh my gosh, am I going to have to go home and have sex and set him up for the, the expectation or the lack of expectation for Wednesday nights. And that was a really clarifying moment in my relationship, in my marriage, um, that was helpful to both of us. Yeah. I I can completely see how being honest about something that is a routine part of your week and how draining that is would be helpful information to have. Interestingly enough, I think that Charlie is a little bit the opposite. I think that uh, he teaches two or sometimes three nights a week. I think that in his mind, it's a transition from work, work, work in your brain to now I can transition to being at home with my wife. So you're so right. Every couple is different because every individual is different. Um, 
I was recently talking with a couple and they were hesitant with the idea of planning sex, but it was one of those things where literally the least little thing would throw it off for one person or the other. Um, he is in the medical field. So having a beeper, he, that you know, like, do they have beepers anymore? <laughs> that Bakers. was really showing my age, like Marcus Welby MD or something. So, yeah, he's on call. Yeah, he may get that was a cool. Call. <laughs> he may get a call or a text at any time, and and he literally has to drop everything and go running. So he kind of has the idea of let's do it all we can. Whereas she's kind of thinking, I need a slow warm up, and he's thinking, but I may not have a warm, you know, slow warm up. I may not have a lot of time. So even negotiating, scheduling it of you know. Like, what is a window of time that we feel like is a safe bet, you know, yeah. from 8 to 8.30 or 10 to 10.30, or maybe it's an afternoon delight, or it could be getting out the calendar and saying what night of the week works best for us. Or I have noticed that Saturday mornings are a favorite time for a lot of women because you wake up and your husband is actually in the bed with you still, as opposed to he got up and left for work early or Sunday afternoons, the whole Sunday afternoon nap. Sorry, kids, mom and dad have to go take a Sunday afternoon nap. Yes. Very important. Or like a middle of the week, um, rendezvous, either a Wednesday Lunch night date. or a Tuesday night or something like that. What I often start with, with clients is how many times per week yeah. would you, would you like to aim for? Yeah. But the reality is, is that one of them will often answer with a much higher number yeah. than the other one. <laughs> so yes. How do you advise couples who have a discrepancy in how much they desire? Take the average. That that the, the compromise, if one person wants six and one person wants two, can we settle on three or four? Right. And... And what I find is that sex begets sex, it, that that as we become, as we have sex, we become more sexually connected. As we become more sexually connected, we desire more sex. Well, and that is the dynamic of oxytocin uh -huh. in that the that more bonding. we're touched, the more we want to be touched. And the reverse is also true. The less we're touched, the less we want to be touched. And therefore women can work themselves into their own state of frigidity. And so I would think that that's one of the big benefits to scheduling sex is to make sure that not too many days pass by yes. before you're getting that hit of oxytocin to make you feel bonded and connected to your mate. What are some other benefits that you think, other than like, of course, sex is happening. Um, <laughs> what What do you feel like are the real game changers for both men and women when they implement scheduling as a strategy for their lovemaking? I think the lessening of anxiety for both people mm, can be so? a benefit Yeah, that the person who um, desires more sex is going to have the confidence that in two days, I know I'm going to have sex rather than this indefinite oh my gosh, when are we ever going to do this again? And for the person who desires less, knowing that he or she is not going to be asking for it again in two hours or the next day or whatever that interval is. So that person can calm down a little bit 
and hopefully maybe even get excited and have some anticipation for the next time because it too is anticipated, um, but there's not that anxiety that that if I give them that, an inch, they'll take a mile. Exactly. Right. And I, I don't think that anybody gets excited about rejecting their spouse, whether it's, right. oh, honey, I'm too tired, or I just don't want to have sex. Tonight. It's hard to be on either it's end of that dynamic. Hard. Of give course, or receive it feels, of rejection. It feels awful on both sides. So it also um, can lessen the rejection that someone feels or offers. Yeah, absolutely. That also reminds me, so oftentimes the lesser desire partner, what what I say, I'll have to say he or she, but we know that it, it's usually it's the usually, female, just yeah. statistically speaking, it's the female. When the expectation is that she should have sex as often as he wants to have sex, the travesty of that is that then she never gets the opportunity to feel hungry for it. And mm. I liken that to an all-you-can-eat buffet. If I take you to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you're going to appreciate that the first time. But when I take you there again the next day and the next day and the next day, you're going to get really sick of it. And you just want an opportunity to get hungry before being expected to eat that way again. So mm -hmm. lower desire partners, oftentimes what I will suggest is that you break up the month according to two-week cycles and for a two-week span of time, perhaps the higher desire partner can look forward to a more frequent sexual connection than the lower desire partner would prefer. But knowing that the other two weeks, they get to tap on the brakes and wait until they feel an appetite for it. And it's really convenient that if a woman is one of those who does not want to have sex on her period, which I'm not necessarily recommending that that should be a thing, but for some women it is, and for sure. some men it is. Um, that, would, that would be easy to you know use one of those weeks as part of that slower two-week period. Um, what are some other creative ideas that you can think of as far as, you know, we're not just talking about getting out the calendar and circling the date and going, this is when it's going to happen. I'm talking about what time of the day works best for you, what days of the week really jive with your schedule. Are there seasons or patterns that you can create, like I talked about with a two-week stint and then another two-week stint? Any other good ideas? So let's think about the variety of sexual activity. Mm. So many times we just focus on intercourse mm -hmm. and scheduling intercourse. What if you also scheduled a once a week bath together mm -hmm. or we shower together on Fridays or we uh, lay together naked and don't fall asleep for a half an hour on Tuesday nights um, creating that variety yep. can be helpful too. Yeah. Or I was thinking of once a week, you take turns giving each other a massage, but it's one of you give one week and the next week it's the other person's turn to give. Oh, right. Yeah. So not like back a, to back. A rotating schedule type of a thing like that. Yeah. yeah. I also think that when you have young children, you have no choice but to schedule. Oh, it <laughs> Aren't you glad we're not in those seasons anymore? If you have young children at home, <laughs> God bless you. Here's... I was going to say, I think that we just need to pause as a, how old are you now? I'll be 50 tomorrow. Jay? Uh, as a 50-year-old and a 55-year-old, we just want to say to all you 25 and 35-year-olds out there, 
it gets easier. Oh, you will so get much. your life back eventually. <laughs> you will. Not oh. that they're, I, I don't mean that to sound as if they're stealing no. your life. We're just saying it gets easier as they get older. That's all we're saying. It, it so does. And then they come home for college break and they're in the room right next door. And um, yeah, you kind of make it through that season too. That season of like two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So literally sometimes I, I can recall when our kids were teenagers and now they're 27 and 30, but you know, we're talking about 15 years ago. It was when they were away at friends' houses. I don't care Ooh. what else was happening. Let's seize the moment. Let's Definitely. So I guess you can plan spontaneity that way. You can mm -hmm. schedule spontaneity. Yes. Yes. Also, I think that there are certain times a day that lend themselves to better sexual connection. And I don't know what it is from a biological perspective, or maybe I do a little bit, but not the, I probably don't know the whole picture, but there's something about morning sex that oh, it's different. It, it's very different. I think that you just wake up refreshed and energized as long as you don't have like major sleep disorders that are really screwing with your sleep or whatever, but Waking up with that energy and that interest and waking up with the feel of your partner's body next to you or waking mm -hmm. up after a, a sexy dream or, you know, it's just different than when you're going to bed at night, totally spent with a long yes. to-do list that didn't get entirely checked off and your head is spinning and you're exhausted. It just, it's a totally different mindset. Therefore, it's a totally different experience. So yeah. do you agree that scheduling the time of day sometimes can be helpful or even just breaking yeah. it up that on this day, we do it in the morning. But what's coming to my mind is I work out uh, with a friend. We do pretty heavy lifting now and we do Monday evening, Wednesday lunch and Friday morning just to break it up, just to have it feel different each time. I would think that sexually speaking, that could be a good idea. I was just wondering if that's really like your code word for Charlie. We, we do some heavy lifting <laughs> on Monday nights. We'll let Wednesday you think news. whatever you want to think. <laughs> <laughs> I try to not think about you guys personally, but yeah. Well, now yes, is that a sex course. negative or a sex positive perspective? Because I hate to break it to everybody, but me and Charlie have sex. What? <laughs> and I'm pretty positive about that. Right. <laughs> well, the, okay. So this does link to next summer's session. Yeah. Whatever we think we saw with our parents mm. is what we think it's supposed to be like. Really? I, we were that I, culturally conditioned, do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you lived at home until you were 18, that's 18 years of either I mean, like with my parents, they never had sex. They had sex twice in their entire marriage. And, um, and so that was kind of, I mean, I wanted different, but I certainly didn't know how to get there and didn't have anyone to talk to about how to create something different than what I saw growing up. Right. Um, and then when my marriage and my sex life became that, I did kind of think, oh, well, this is just normal. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I acknowledge that. Yes. A lot of people fit that category, but I also think that the reverse is true for some. For me, I watched, um, I don't recall my parents ever being intimate 
in a healthy, beautiful way. Mm -hmm. It was more like a, a slimy, awkward way where my mother was like resisting his advances type of a thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember kind of making a silent vow to myself that I didn't want a relationship like that. I yeah. didn't want to feel as if I had to shut my partner down because I mm -hmm. kind of felt sorry for my dad sometimes, but then the way that he would approach her, I can't really say that, you know, that I would have wanted that either necessarily. That's probably way <laughs> too much information to put out there about my parents. So, um, my apologies, mom and dad. But the reality is that we all had those kinds of yes. images that we either, you're right, we either um, subconsciously adopted them as the norm or we let them be a roadmap to an opposite direction than what yes. we ourselves wanted to take. And I do think that that was part of what made me write a book called The Sexually Confident Wife is because- sure. I wanted to, I wanted to exude something that I didn't necessarily see. And it wasn't just my parents' marriage. It was, you know, a lot of, no. it, it was just general society on television. It was always the sexually frustrated husband and the wife who totally controlled that area of their lives and only had sex to barter, to get something out of him or to mm -hmm. reward him for good behavior. But it wasn't a beautiful picture of just intimacy and vulnerability and closeness mm -hmm. and connection and comfort. Like that is what yeah. I craved. And I can't say that I have created that perfectly every time, but I've made it my goal in yeah. life. So I do think that no matter what kind of home you came from, you can, it goes back to being intentional. You can create the opposite if need be, mm -hmm. or a, a delicate balance or a blend, or we are not slaves to what we have been exposed to. But you're right. There is a subconscious, almost like a subliminal gravitational pull in that direction of the familiar. Right. So uh, you probably didn't know whether your parents scheduled sex or not, but it I really doesn't no matter. Idea. I'm not asking. Yeah. Yeah. Either. We don't want to know. Don't, nope. don't want to no. know. Don't need to know. Exactly. This is about you and your relationship. And if yeah. you want something different than what your parents had, if you want something different than what you've had in previous relationships, it really does take a level of intentionality that you've never had before. And I'll, I think the last thing that I want to throw in here is that sometimes the whole spontaneous route, one person feels ready and raring to go and the other person is still processing something of they're struggling with something that happened two days ago or something that was just said or whatever, and they need time. And sometimes to let your partner know that, I see that you're sexually interested and I'm not saying no, but I would like to offer a rain check because uh -huh. my headspace isn't where I want it to be and need it to be to offer you my best self. I think that is so much better of a strategy than a no and a passive aggressive attitude of, well, you should uh -huh. know why I'm not attracted to you. And yeah, don't play mind games with this. If you're not in the space for it, scheduling it, for can you just give me 24 hours or yes. six hours or 30 minutes or whatever S specifying an amount of time and saying can we reconnect then because I'm not in the place to now I just think that that sounds so mature and respectful well my husband gets an a plus just last night for this very thing when yeah. we laid down to go to bed there was something that we had talked about earlier in the day that we didn't quite close up and I felt like I needed closure before, um, before anything else happened in bed. And, um, 
And rather than saying, hey, honey, I need to talk about this and then we can have sex. Of course, I didn't do that. I just launched into it. Um, and rather than him taking that as me not wanting to have sex after we wrapped up the conversation, which was pretty quick, he said, well, you know, that wasn't terribly romantic, but I realized you needed to to close that loop before we could move forward. And I just, I mean, how insightful made me, yes. Insightfulness is sexually attractive. Exactly. <laughs> when, when you feel validated in that moment uh -huh. and you feel as if my feelings matter to my partner yes, and they're intuitive, they are em empathetic. They can tell what uh -huh. I need. That makes you oh. feel so trusting and trust equals lust. That's <laughs> it's, uh -huh. it's true. Yep. Yeah, totally. All yeah, about the so, safety and security. Way to go, sure. guy. Because he he very easily could have interpreted that as me coming to bed not wanting to have sex because I brought up this topic that was not terribly romantic. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I keep saying one more thing, one more thing, but here is one more thing to the lower desire partner who really does say, but if I give my partner an inch, they're going to take a mile. I often challenge them that maybe your thinking on this matter is the exact opposite of what it really is because I think that it's a starving person who is prone to steal something that doesn't belong to them and that a satisfied person is not nearly as prone toward that mm -hmm. so what I'm often telling hired as our partners is that don't think that okay I have this little window of time where she is saying, yes, so I have to milk it. I have to keep going back and I have to stock it up like a camel storing water in a hump or uh -huh. something like, don't abuse the opportunity, just drink until you're satisfied and then communicate to your partner how satisfying that was and how good you feel. And then give them that chance to feel good about that because they're right. That that mentality of, but if I give them an inch, they'll take a mile. If that really is true in your dynamic, you've got a big problem. You've got mm -hmm. a big tangle. You've got a big mess that you need to untangle because a partner who keeps their mate at arm's length because they are so afraid that so much more is going to be expected of them than what they could ever deliver and that their partner will never be satisfied and they'll always be on the brunt end of the, the desire differential that takes some healing and that takes some yeah. really open lines of communication to iron those particular issues out. Yes. So speaking of schedule, Angie, I wanted to make sure that people have certain dates marked on their calendar. If they are interested in doing further work in any area really of their relationship and whether they're single or married, all of us have stuff from the past, especially childhood and family of origin issues mm -hmm. that hinder us from being able to really connect on the level that we desire or the level that our partner desires. And sometimes to have the opportunity to unpack that kind of stuff is so valuable. And what I'm noticing at workshops, this is the dynamic, okay? Eight to 10 women, they often range in ages from 19 or 20 up to like 76 or 80. And awesome. at first, the older women will always think, why are these little puppies here? Like, wh what problems could they possibly have already? But what inevitably surfaces is that any of us who made it through childhood have created baggage. And then they start watching the courage with which the younger ones 
are unpacking that baggage and processing some of their trauma and their hurt, their disillusionment and disappointment. And then the older women go, why didn't I do this 40 years ago? And they get a little envious. They're like, we're just so proud of you, but also a little jealous that -hmm. you're getting to do this in your early years because they will always be so affirming. This is going to make you a much better wife. This is going to make you a much better lover. This is going to make you a much better person in life, not to repress, 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 stuff, 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 ignore, ignore, ignore. If that's been your modus operandi for a long time, it's time. It's time to unlock that and see what's there and see how it's driving you. It's probably driving you to shut down. Sometimes it drives women to act out or, or sometimes it just drives you to feel paralyzed. You know, you just fight, flight, freeze, fawn, you feel paralyzed. And it's not going to go away on its own. No, it's not going to magically it was going to go away on its own. It would have. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's not cotton candy on your tongue. It doesn't just automatically dissolve if you ignore it long enough. So I want to make sure that people have our workshop dates in mind in case they're in a season of their life that it is time. So our next Women at the Well workshop is coming up February 26th through March 1st. That is here in Springfield, Missouri. And then the next Couples at the Well workshop also known as the Sexually Confident Couple Workshop. I'm going to explain a little bit more about that differentiation in just a moment. Um, The Couples Workshop is coming up April 20th through the 23rd, 2021. Then we also have some summer workshops lined up for people who have already attended a Women at the Well Workshop to come back for a 201 experience with other people who have also gotten further down the road on their healing journey. The Well Women Workshop is always so stinking much fun. But that's July 20th through the 23rd. Um, So the difference between couples at the well and the sexually confident couple, that has come to us via email several times. So let me just kind of explain. The sexually confident couple workshop was going to be what we did in Belize. But because of all this COVID travel nightmare stuff, that event just never, ever happened. So we are basically offering a sexually confident couple two-day intensive. But this is for this is a private intensive. It's a two day intensive for um, the same cost as you would pay for two days of coaching, uh, which mm, I can't say I'm I'm trying to recall exactly how much that is. But basically, I want to offer a one hundred dollar discount to our sexual confidence on tap podcast listeners. So if you just tell us that you listen to the podcast and you would like to take advantage of one hundred dollars off, it would basically be the same as the one eighty coaching package. So with the 180 coaching package, that's usually 12 sessions for $1,800. That's the maximum discount of 25% off. It would basically be a two-day intensive where we spend six hours one day and six hours the next day working exclusively with you as a couple. And that is what we are calling the Sexually Confident Couple Intensive. And I'm offering you an additional $100 off of that $1,800 just by saying that you are a podcast listener. And then with the Women at the Well workshop or the Couples at the Well workshop, um, for the Women at the Well, I'm offering $50 off for, and that's uh, that's a total of $1,200 and that includes your lodging and you can break your payments down to just $100 a month for 12 months. Like very little skin off of people's nose when you break it down. It's like $25 a week for a year and you can have this amazing four-day experience with this group of women that is truly life-changing. We just have testimony after testimony of the past 10 years. 
Um, and then the couples at the well workshop, I can offer a hundred dollars off that workshop is $1,750. And that is with four to five couples total plus me and Charlie over a four day span of time. So that's couples at the well. So you got women at the well, you got couples at the well, and then you have a sexually confident couple two day intensive face to face with me here in Springfield, uh, privately. So those are your options. Those are your discounts. Those are the dates. Again, February 26th through March 1st for Women at the Well, April 20th through the 23rd for Couples at the Well, and then July 20th through the 23rd for the Well Women Workshop. Um, shoot us an email if you have any questions at all, but you can find out more at shannonethridge.com by clicking on the workshops link. Angie, I'm so excited about the whole year of who all we have lined up to interview we have Dr. Michael Seitzma and Shanti Feldon who are releasing a brand new book next month. We're going to be talking to them in the next few weeks. We are going to be talking about overcoming pornography addictions. We're going to be talking about healing from infidelity and betrayal. We're going to be talking about sex toys around Valentine's Day. We're just going to be talking about all kinds of sexual topics because we want you to be a sexually confident person. And we thank you for tuning in to sexual confidence on tap, where hopefully you have filled your cup to overflowing and you can share some of that with your mate. So thank you for tuning in. We love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us. <laughs>